I don't know, but I've been told. As nuts don't shrink when it gets cold. <laughs> don't you think that, uh, just out of a thought, William Hague should just come out of the cabinet? <laughs> <laughs> I met him, you know. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I met him twice. Nice guy. Very good. Wouldn't have known, would you? I would never have no. thought. Soft hands, though, often the giveaway. Ah, I see. Mm. What about your hands? I have the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. We've mentioned my hands before. Yeah, I think we have. We yeah, certainly but... have. And wow. they they would always merit mention again, would they not? They think what? Well, why not? Yeah. Tiny, tiny hands. Ladies and gentlemen of the podcasting world, welcome to the Hallam Paul Football Log, the show that has done for football punditry. Finally, after so long kept apart by forces beyond our control, not unlike a ball that's left Wayne Rooney's foot on the back of the net, we are back in the same studio and logging face-to-face. Other fetish websites are available. (laughs) Uh, On this week's log, we're looking at the Premiership, the Championship, La Liga, Bundesliga, the Champions League, Hal's Young One to Watch, other innuendos are available, Mark Lawrence Hmm. and his idiot sense of humour, favourite footballing accent, which I haven't asked Hal about yet, listener emails this week and probably a little bit more. Mm, I don't know. Favourite footballing oxen? I, <laughs> yeah. I've always been a big fan of a flatback four oxen. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can't possibly answer that at this stage. No, well, you've got a bit of time to think about it because we'll get on to results, shall we? We're just recording this about 10 minutes after the end of the Man United-Liverpool game. Uh, so what were your thoughts on the last 10 minutes of that? What a cracker. I don't think there's any point in me talking about that match because no. you watched the whole thing. You didn't miss much, did you? No, only four goals. Yeah, but you did at least get to see the winner. Yeah. Scored by Transylvania's very own Dimitar Berbatov, who uh, this year is apparently a hero uh, this season. Oh, the commentator yeah. was saying. A zero last season, which I think is probably a bit harsh, and uh, a hero this season. I think he said he was the whipping boy oh, yeah, yeah. of last okay. season, this season's hero, which, I mean, you don't even have the whipping boy as the polar opposite of hero, do you? No. Like you said, zero is the polar opposite exactly. of hero. Exactly. Or villain, actually, is probably the better one. Yes, true. And let's not forget that this season is but f- four games old, five games old now? Uh, well, obviously, I'm, I'm a championship fan, so it's a bit older than that. Yes, of course. Yeah. Down in the doldrums. But yes, in the, the big boys league. Uh, as you know, I don't right. think about the championship Not anymore, anymore no. No, I'm, I'm not going right I bet Honas right. does, because he's got a game. <laughs> Uh, in the championship. What are that Ben Arthur? What's he? In fact, we broke the Ben Arthur story. We did. We did when we talked to Offside Sarah, and she did uh, say to us that he was a player capable of doing a bit something a bit special on his day, and he certainly turned that up at Goodison Park the other day. In fact, we were talking about um, Honas not long ago, and when I was watching Match of the Day last night, uh, Alan Shearer was saying the only major criticism <laughs> yeah, of him like as a winger is that he can't create and he doesn't score goals, which as, a, as, yeah. a, as an attacking midfielder is quite a hefty pair of criticism. Maybe, think, though, in fairness, Honas had learnt from Diego, uh, Maradona I'm talking about yes. here, not the uh, Juventus midfielder, uh, that, that really his, his job is key to uh, the defence yes. of Argentina. So he was playing right back, wasn't he? He for, was playing right part, back, yeah. Uh, which I suppose a right back isn't always asked to create and score goals. No, indeed. See Gary Neville for further details. Mm. He, a player who looks past his best now. But John O'Shea did create the winner. He did, yeah, and he also created the equaliser uh, inadvertently. Yeah, this is what, one of the things I wanted to talk about was uh, Man United, as you know, went 2-0 up. Two decent goals from Berbatov, um, defending to be blamed for both of them, without a doubt. And then Liverpool got back into it, and Johnny Evans got away with a yellow card. I know you haven't seen these tackles yet, but if you imagine Torres was coming in down the right-hand side of the penalty area, and he sort of Cruyff turned in field, knocking the ball through Evans' legs, and he was already on his arse by this point. He took Torres out completely. He's about seven yards out from goal. Now, admittedly, you know, it wasn't straight through on goal. It wasn't a clear goal-scoring opportunity, but it was a hell of a foul. Uh, got away with the yellow card. Gerard scores the penalty. And then about two minutes later, I think it was Gerard again, tried to play the ball in for Torres around the back of the defence. And as Torres set off, John O'Shea just hauled into the ground, about 18 yards out, right in front of the centre of the goal. Again, Howard Webb's seen it and only given him a yellow card. Now, I was under the impression that if you see a tackle like that, and I think he probably was the last man, 
if you see it, you've got to send him off. You can't give a yellow card. You either see it and it's a red card or you don't and you don't give it. Thoughts? Uh, just, again, the only thing I could possibly defend Howard with is he would have thought it wasn't a direct goal-scoring opportunity. Yeah. But the and last man thing probably is... probably is an argument to be made for that. The last man thing is a bit uh, vague uh, because I suppose a lot of people think last man equals red. But do you want to see red cards? Not necessarily, but I do want to see justice meted out fairly. But you're implying that Johnny Evans should have been sent off for the foul, which led to the penalty. No, in, fa- in fairness, I, at first I thought, well, he's probably lucky to get away with the yellow, but the, the second and third time I saw it, I think he probably was a right Don't decision. you think a penalty itself is enough punishment? Yeah, I suppose it is, but you've got to play by the letter of the law. If they said that you know, from now on, red cards and yellow cards aren't applicable in the box because penalties are punishment enough, then that would be fine, but... That's not currently mm. the rules, so you've mm. got to make your mind up, haven't you? Absolutely, yeah. Well, Howard Webb obviously comes in for quite a bit of criticism. He does. I don't have a problem with Howard Webb. I, I think he had a tough job in the World Cup final. I don't think he did a, a particularly bad job, and I think he did try and avoid sending too many players off, which can't have been easy with the Nigel De Jong's Karate Kid remake on Javi Alonso, to name but one awful tackle that was going in. So I think he did a decent job, and, and I think he's a decent ref, but... Um, and everybody makes mistakes. What I, what I can't believe is the mistake yesterday. Was it Stuart Atwell or... Um, no, it was Andre Marino at the Everton-Newcastle match. How he didn't give a penalty. Oh, uh, terrible. I mean, like, lucky, lucky you won. Well, yeah, I mean, and I am a Newcastle fan, so I appreciate that this may sound biased if you haven't seen it, but do try and catch a glimpse of the tackle that whoever it was. I can't Coleman, remember, I think was it was. It, on uh, Kevin Nolan. Seamus Coleman. And um, there's really no uh, room for debate there at all, is there? And with the Fellaini chance right at the end, you know, there's half a chance that we could have paid dearly for that. Yeah. That would have been very, very irritating. But Absolutely. like you say, as it, as it turned out, that didn't happen. And in fact, Newcastle are um, cementing their place as the most unpredictable team in the league, losing to Blackpool and beating Villa and Everton. So we obviously know uh, our priorities. And um, it's funny, actually, because we said at the start of the season, a lot of Newcastle fans were saying, we're going to have to beat the teams around us like Blackpool uh, and Wigan and West Ham and, and to a certain degree, I suppose, Sunderland or Hope Sunderland. Uh, and we'll just have to accept that we're going to have off days against the big teams. As it turns out, we've come up against two top eight clubs and beaten them. And we came up against Blackpool and got done at home. I saw a lady, lines woman. My God, man. <laughs> at uh, Derby against Sheffield United. Outrageous. And my friend Jono was in the stands. And uh, he's someone I've mentioned before, but Jono is going to be up and coming a uh, referee. Oh, right, Jonathan okay. Walker, remember the name. He's already refereeing at a conference level. Uh, he's very, very soon going to be in the leagues. Great stuff. And he's a good friend of mine. And he mentioned to me that he's refereed with this lady before, and mm-hmm. and and she's pretty pants, uh, <laughs> literally. Uh, but but Wait. she's but she's been she's been fast tracked, and his gripe was that he believes she's been fast tracked because she's a she, right? And she was being a linesman. Now you know all linesmen are also referees. Yes. Well, Jono also has to linesman at, uh, at yeah. games, and he told me that he he made a big mistake okay. in a match, and he told me to go and have a look at it online. And it was the big match. It was probably one of the biggest matches of his career. Uh, Mikelova Spartans, uh, or Mikelova Sport, I'm not sure exactly what they're called, forgive me, who actually have children's swings in the background of their stadium, which you can see children swinging on. Uh, apparently, you. sometimes you can hear ghostly swinging on a Tuesday night. There, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he said that he was as the linesman on the right-hand side, and as Halifax were attacking, um, they, they scored the key goal, the winning goal, two yards offside, on his right. side. Oh, it was right. his decision to make. And he got it wrong. And he said, go and have a little look on Halifax World, which obviously I was straight on. A Halifax player, I think. I'm it surprised it wasn't already any favourites. It's amazing, it's isn't it? Had a little look on that. And uh, you can't tell. The video is inconclusive. I see. But he had to go to a hearing and all this. And this mm. is one of the things I wanted to bring up. When referees make mistakes, the fans don't think about how much it bothers the refs. Jono told me he was gutted 
mm. for uh, about two weeks. Well, you want to do a good job, don't you? Absolutely devastated. Really, really bothered him. He felt awful. He apologised to both teams. And you know, we don't see that, do we? Well, you wouldn't know it from listening to this podcast, but there are people out there who take great pride in their job and doing mm-hmm. a sterling piece of work. And, and yeah, I, I, think it, I think it must play on people's minds, especially, I mean, obviously, you, you say like for two weeks for, for Jono in, in that division. Yeah. It just goes to show that at any level, you want to do a good job. But imagine then extrapolating that to the World Cup final. Can we talk about the World Cup and jobs? Let's talk about the World Cup and jobs because you've got some news from uh, out in the middle of Pyongyang. Yeah, which uh, you mentioned to me off air, and, and it's absolutely right. I saw it on Sky Sports News earlier that uh, Middlesbrough ladies are yes. out in North Korea at the moment. Do you know why they're out there? I don't. I heard it just for a, a quick shout out. I heard it from future England number one um, Jess Charman, who is our, our friend on Twitter, and um, she's been she's not be able to listen to this this weekend because she's been in a tent being toothpasted by her friends as part of a team building exercise and I promised I'd give her a shout out but she did make me aware that the uh, the women's football team had been over there. The reason they're there is you might remember North Korea's most famous victory against Italy in the uh, 1966 yes. World Goodison Cup. Park I think. I think it was Essen Park. Oh of course yeah. And that's why Middlesbrough have a good relationship with North Korea hence why yes, Middlesbrough it was, ladies. It was Portugal I think that they played at Goodison Park. My apologies. That's North right. Korea fans. That's the reason. Uh, so let's talk North Korea. You said about all oh, making mistakes like to do a good job and the World Cup all in one foul swoop so I thought I would mention this. Now this is not rumour mongering this is not scaremongering we, you might have heard some of the North Korean players actually have been tortured having returned home following their poor showing at the World Cup although I think most neutrals would say that was a good showing. We expected them to get hammered in every game and they did. Um, but <laughs> well, they did all right against Brazil. They did very well against Brazil. They I'm did joking. Get against Portugal. Uh, but poor Kim Jong Hun, the coach of North Korea, was not merely stripped of his job, but has been condemned to work unpaid for, at the moment, what appears to be a, a, an exuberant length of time on a building site. Isn't that awful? How unfair. I thought he might actually get a chance to uh, coach in, in Europe. And Jong Tae Se, famous for crying. Um, yeah. during the national anthems. Uh, he has probably had the only positive experience of the North Korean squad he's managed to sign for. Well, we disagreed on this, didn't we? Yeah, well, you're doing the Salgado part <laughs> yeah. of what Richard Keyes finds so amusing. Yeah, uh, Go on, give us the I name. I think the club is Bochum. Borkum. Borkum. <laughs> Which is actually no, how not Borkum. what led us onto our to, first to song. song yeah. Yeah. At the start, actually, I've really enjoyed Richard Keyes asking Michelle Salgado to pronounce Spanish teams' names and players' names because you might have heard he was trying to pronounce Cesar Aspilicueta, who we mentioned yeah, and we did, featured, yeah. who scored an own goal. Obviously, we're well ahead of the times here, <laughs> predicting good quality players. Scored an own goal, um, you know, not not for Marseille, but crucially plays for Marseille. So, so Richard Keyes said, and, and an own goal here from. And Salgado goes, Marseille. <laughs> Great. Thanks, yeah. Michelle. Richard Keyes is a shocking human being. We've discussed this before, and, and it's showing no signs. You see, you won't have seen this, obviously, because you're on your way up here to Studio 2 to record, but um, they're at Stamford Bridge Sky Sports for the game which is about to kick off, ladies and gents. Not that that makes the slightest bit of difference. To uh, I keep doing this, don't yeah, I? Yeah, you shouldn't do oh, that. Oh, right now, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. But Do a um, cheesy radio thing. Listen to us and watch the telly. <laughs> yeah, and then it'll sync up, you see. Mm. Sky plus the game. But that's how you do it. Uh, and anyway, he was sat there in the studio with uh, Glenn Hoddle and Jamie Redknapp, who Jamie Redknapp was on relatively decent form today. Uh, Richard Keyes had a very bright orange tie on and uh, made some crack about uh, it not being to do with Blackpool. Uh, apparently the tie just walked out of the closet this morning. And then he said, obviously, which suggests it is something to do with Blackpool. And then he said, but it wasn't. Uh, it doesn't mean anything, which suggests it isn't anything to do with Blackpool. And he said, but they do need all the support they can get right now, which suggests it is something to do with Blackpool. <laughs> so my question is, Richard Keyes, what the hell is going on? Just... Just wear an orange tie. Well, don't you think... Oh, it's cause for, for Blackpool, for a bit of a laugh. Don't you think wearing an orange tie in Richard Key's position, crucially, detracts from his face 
and his yeah. hands. Well, thank God. You know that really famous clip of Richard Keys in that really sort of salmon-y, light, salmon stroke orange suit from yeah. the early days. That, that's great because you don't have to look at his face at all. Hmm. He's had the hands lasered, though. He, he has. must have because they're has. nowhere near his Or maybe he has people. someone who's hired purely to shave them uh, <laughs> off camera. Maybe. Jamie Redknapp's second income, perhaps. Talk about um, the argument. Now, I wasn't really concentrating on the England match uh, away from home, um, which we, we recently played. Um, yes, well, we didn't. <laughs> we didn't, no. Uh, but that was a match, obviously, we were, we were expected to win against uh, Switzerland, and we did. But uh, there was an argument, wasn't there, at sort of half-time with Jamie and, and Richard getting a little hot under the collar? Yeah. Well, it sort of started right from the very start, and I don't know what it was, whether it was a cold night uh, in Bern. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where they were playing it, actually. It was Basel. Basel, was it? My apologies. And welcome to the Hallam Paul Football Log, source for accurate knowledge across the game. They were playing the game, and um, there wasn't a very sort of... Uh, comfy studio with all the the lights and all the rest of it so Richard and Jamie were just stood on the terraces effectively on a little sort of media gantry I guess you'd call it and um, they were just getting off about the game talking about various things that were going on getting and, off yeah I, I knew you would <laughs> I couldn't let you go get away with that my apologies well Richard it's Richard Keyes talking about the Champions League so actually you know I couldn't see below the groin thank heaven <laughs> um, and at some point I don't know what it was that kicked it off but Redknapp was in a bad mood from the start you could tell there's something about his demeanour mm. he just looked he had a face like a slapped ass the whole way through he was really annoyed like father like son well exactly yeah he's not going to age well uh, Louis no. just in case you're listening but Paul um, and myself are yes we certainly are we'll happily tag, S- tag team you for later <laughs> details. Um, so, at some point, Richard Keyes made some comment about uh, the quality that England possessed and the fact that England fans were expecting a win. And Redknapp, without obviously being openly hostile to him, sort of answered back in a very curt and terse manner. Uh, something to do with the idea that England would take a point from Switzerland because they, you know, they're not a bad side. They'd beaten Spain in the World Cup, obviously, and Spain then went on to win the championship. So they were obviously a difficult team to break down. And as it transpired, England found it considerably easier than Spain had. But um, I thought Redknapp had a decent point, which was yeah. that, you know, although you would hope to win a game like that, England are not a major powerhouse in football the way we once thought we were. And you know, a point away from home in a difficult stadium is not necessarily a terrible thing, especially this early on in qualifying. Uh, Richard Keyes wasn't really having any of that, but it was mostly Redknapp who seemed to be the aggressor. He was very sort of, um, he had seemed to have genuine contempt for Richard Keyes, the way the rest of us do. Yeah. And uh, there were a lot of people saying on Twitter and and, and Facebook updates through the uh, through the log and all the rest that they were really going to kick off. And in fact, it was notable that after the um, teams had walked out, there's often a little bit of preamble. And so what do we expect from the match? It never went back to them after one point. I remember when Jamie Redknapp had a fight with Andy Gray, uh, Man United Liverpool, when Mascarano got sent off. And after the break, they couldn't go back to them because they were still kicking off. And I thought that must have happened again. Uh, It possibly did. It possibly did, yeah. I mean, I haven't heard anything to the contrary. And then at halftime came around and uh, England were 1-0 up, I think. And Keyes turned to the camera and said, well, we'll take that, won't we? And looked across at Redknapp and he just looked furious. No smile, no kind of acknowledgement. But then in the second half, it seemed to sort of calm down a little bit as they, and then the post-game analysis, because everybody was happy because we'd won and so it didn't really matter. And it seemed to all calm down a little bit. But just for a moment, I thought there was a genuine chance of them kicking off with each other. That would have been great. Having an actual fight. The uh, goal scorer for uh, Switzerland was a player I wanted us to have a little focus on briefly because I think he deserves it because uh, what a cracker what a cracker what a cracker uh, we're going to struggle it was Zenden-esque wasn't it well he's got an X in his name um, rather than a Z but he's all at the end of the alphabet it's uh, Exherden Shakiri Shakiri who never really knew that he could score like that <laughs> who uh, it's not planned ladies and gentlemen no. who, um, <laughs> who plays right midfield or left midfield he, apparently according to World Soccer has plenty of width all right. uh, which is interesting to note uh, he plays a- that Jenny Thompson blog said the same about Wayne sorry carry on so, yeah um, he uh, he plays for Basel, which is where the match was held. Oh right, okay. Yeah, not Bern. 
Uh, he's not a young boy. Well, he is actually. He's very young. <laughs> God, you're right. It's not planned, <laughs> is it? He's very young. Uh, but he's the future of Swiss football and uh, the key player this season for Basel in the uh, in the European competitions that they'll be involved in, which shows that I haven't quite remembered the <laughs> <laughs> league group that when they're he, in. When he winds up to strike a ball, his hips don't lie. Absolutely. Uh, I wanted to mention that game actually because we had an email from a listener. My God, man, an actual email asking us to do some actual research. Was it saying uh, research a new presenter? <laughs> no. Although we did have an email from uh, Joe Banks. Thanks for getting in touch, Joe. That said, really enjoyable log. Although you do sound better when in the same room. I think mm. we're challenging that concept yeah. today. <laughs> we are currently, like I say, in the same room, and uh, maybe I you, don't know. you call this Studio Two. But we should point out the Studio One has been destroyed in a fire. Yeah. Uh, not net, not yet, but it's something I'm working on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and if anybody who matters is listening, let me just point out that he was joking there. Uh, I don't know, actually, maybe not. But this is—I'm from... not joking. But wouldn't it be awful if it did go up in flames? It would. Actually, it would yeah. look bad on me now. Do you know what? This is an embarrassing uh, moment for me, and I'll admit this. To... We had an email from George, and I believe his surname is pronounced Woff. It's W A U G H. But it dawns on me that in the whole time I taught him, which was over a year or nearly a year, I never called him by his surname because I would have thought it was War, as mm. in Evelyn War. So I don't know. Sorry, George. It just dawned on me that I had no idea. Anyway, he sent me a very uh, pertinent and relevant email, which was, I was wondering while I was listening to the coverage of the England game, they mentioned there were six Man City players on the pitch. What is the highest number of players from a single club to representing their nation at a World Cup, and what was the club? Any ideas? Well, I imagine West Ham fans would say well, West Ham. West Ham. Fans Ham. Would say, yeah. oh, it was the whole West Ham team that won 1966. Yeah, won a World Cup, won a World Cup, mate. Well, yeah. you ever won, huh? <laughs> Doesn't matter where we are now, we won it <laughs> 966. Exactly. And, um, well, George, I looked into it and I couldn't find any details about number of players from a single club at the World Cup, although I can tell you that Chelsea and Barcelona had the most number of players at the World Cup with 13 apiece. I don't know about single games, but the record for England games stands at seven players from one side, which was Arsenal. That was back in uh, 1934 at Highbury, funnily enough. Uh, England played the Battle of Highbury against the reigning world champions who were Italy. Apparently it was so bad-tempered, that's how it earned that uh, that nickname. And five players had originally been selected, but due to last-minute changes on match day, the other two came in. And so seven players started from Arsenal. That was the record, and it hasn't been beaten to this day. But we don't just do surface analysis here at the log. We go a little bit deeper. Six Liverpool players started Ron Greenwood's first manager, first game as manager in 1977, and that's the closest up until the England game recently that had come to breaking the record. And at the end of a 3-1 win against Albania in 2001, away, you may remember Andy Cole scored in that match, mm. there were seven Man United players on the pitch, but two of them had come on as substitutes, so that doesn't count. That surprises me. Euro 96, it did feel like everyone had at some point or currently was playing for Tottenham. Yeah, that's true. Under Terry Venables. But I suppose it's the thing of... You know, maybe at one point or had mm. at some stage, but that's current players. So I guess you know, yeah. maybe not. That's interesting. It is. So thanks for that, um, George. We like those. We like those. Briefly mention uh, Alex's email. Squad number five. We haven't done squad numbers for ages, have no, we? No. New Baldino, an old listener. Um, well, I don't know how old he is, but he's been listening for a long time. So he's thanks get, for that. Alex. He's getting older. He's, yeah, exactly. He said hi. Just got back from holiday. Missed three podcasts and all of the emails that you sent out. Thanks very much. Uh, just like to say that they are all very good. Hooray! How long was he away? I mean, no we idea. didn't log for about four months. <laughs> in one point I've no idea uh, also your podcast is very funny and has passed many bored hours great stuff we should point out we are reading out all the emails this is not a select <laughs> few no this is all of them actually it's not all um, but it is the, the ones that I've picked as the ones that don't just say things like subscribe me to the newsletter if I read all of those out it would be incredibly boring oh, what about the ones you read about Viagra and uh, things like that yeah well I mean I know I've made this joke before we, we get a lot of emails I mean I've got other Yahoo accounts I, so I. I don't get I, the I don't amount. get anything like the number of Nigerian businessmen emails that we get at the football log and the other ones as well. And in fact, somebody started posting on the Facebook site as well 
oh, I hired this girl to work from home and she earned... Yes, I've noticed that. And I, and I try and get on and remove them whenever I can, but I often check it on my um, iPhone now and I can't remove it from there. So mm. if you ever see one on there, loggers, don't worry, I am on the case and I will do my very best to get rid of it. And I am not on the case and I don't really care. <laughs> um, you know, we, we talk about money in football and how it's sort of just get, get, getting a bit crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all over the place. It is my, a bit. My, I watched the game yesterday, uh, the Sheffield United match against uh, Portsmouth for my mum, which is an interesting experience. I watched it live. Uh, in 3D, we didn't need to go to a pub or anything. Crikey. And she was saying to me, oh, you know, they get paid so much, it's all ridiculous. She was talking about um, Utaka, because she found out how much he was paid last season. More than she, Cesc Fabregas. It was incredible, and she was, she was it. saying it's a disgrace, it's awful. I was like, mum, this is not a new argument, you know. No, something she's cool right, before. it's not a new argument. But it, it led me to an interesting story about uh, the smallest transfer fee of the last window, and you wouldn't expect it to involve Real Madrid. You certainly would not. Because, of how course... Is it 270 million they spent? Well, absolutely, and, and Cristiano Ronaldo in his own was eighty million pounds, right, wasn't yeah. he? You know, that was another fifty-six. So. That, that's pounds here, not euros, because of course euros are worthless. But uh, <laughs> they did sell a player to uh, Girona, uh, Marcus Tabar, to uh, second division My Girona, Girona. <laughs> yeah, and uh, for the princely sum of one hundred euros. Even less than pounds. Fantastic. Isn't that incredible? That is, that is incredible. You and can... I thought when you read me that, it must be a spelling mistake. Because no, no, I no. saw in the newspaper this morning the report that um, George Gillette was going to buy Liverpool for £282, which was presumably a misprint. Yeah. no, I, think, I don't know. At £282, they uh, might be paying uh, over It's slightly over the odds, yeah. I think you, you could you could say that, yeah. But interesting. Also, another thing that so I've been... So does it say um, why they've, they've gone for such a... Uh, do we know why it's been such a small transfer fee? Is it end of, must it be end of the contract. I don't know. I mean, I really don't. I don't know any more details than that. I do know if you, you go online, you can find a picture of Cristiano Ronaldo and Tabar embracing. Uh, so they did play on the same pitch together, the most expensive and the least expensive. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, when, when an actual transfer fee was demanded, of course, free transfers don't count. And actually, when you talk about free transfers, a signing on fee, which goes to the player, is normally yeah. quite substantial. It so is. Well, they say Joe Coles would have been quite hefty at uh, Anfield. Mm, absolutely. One of the players at the World Cup who uh, didn't really come up for stick, but we heard got stick from his own players, was Gorkov, who um, yeah, yeah. a lot of the players didn't want him to play, which no. must have been awful uh, for the poor lad. Um, there is some good news for uh, Johan Gorkov, is that he's signed for arguably the biggest name in uh, in French football. This isn't a, a joke. Who would you say is the biggest team? In the- well, I mean, based on recent championship wins, you'd have to say it was Olympic Lyonnais. Uh, exactly, that is who he has signed for. Yes. And the reason he says he's signed is because his um, best friend who stuck up for him at the World Cup Hugo Lloris plays for them so it must have been the case that obviously we weren't privy to I'd love to have been a fly on the wall actually through France's whole uh, tournament yes definitely but apparently a lot of players stood up and said don't pick Gorkov I can't remember who they wanted in instead but they wanted someone else and Hugo Lloris was I think one of the only voices that said no I don't want that he's a really good player is Gorkov I know it boggles the mind yeah he didn't he didn't didn't quite hit the heights I would say at uh, AC Milan obviously but he's he's obviously a talented player he wouldn't be the first person to go to a big club he should have stuck around at AC Milan look at the side they've got well I mean have you have you seen let's let's have you seen this, who's been scoring? This circus. I saw, have you seen who's been scoring the goals for Milan? Well, I saw who scored against Auxerre. Uh, have you seen in the league, in Syria, who has been scoring the goals? No. Inzaghi, the forgotten really? striker. Did you see his goal against Barcelona in that friendly? Yes. yes. I, I mean, I hate Inzaghi, as we, you know. You mentioned we, that. Yeah. yeah, we've known each other several thousand years now, and I've never liked Inzaghi for any of them. This goes way back to sort of 95, 96 season in the Champions League. And what about me? 
I hate you as well. Oh, right, okay. And um, <laughs> I always have, always will. And uh, But the goal against Barcelona was stunning. I mean, wonderful. That says it's it. Check it out then, kids, if you haven't seen it, because if Paul says it's good and it involves Inzaghi, it must be a cracker. I'll try and get it onto, um, onto the next episode of the logger, which will be coming out relatively soon. Um, Do it. Yeah. I, I post a lot of things, by the way, on both log pages, and you can always include those as well. Yeah, yeah. Please do. Check them out. Check them out. Don't forget. I wanted to talk to you about uh, money in the game, actually, because we were um, going to talk about the Champions League, and people have been saying that the Champions League group stage is getting to be a bit of a joke now. I don't know if you've had a look at the groups uh, after the first game. I think I mentioned with Basel that I've completely forgotten <laughs> the group stages. Yeah. Well, some of them are, obviously, you know, um, in Barcelona's group, for example, um, yeah, Barcelona's group, the they're top, you'd expect that. Um, Inter Milan and Tottenham are top of their group, although I think everybody's level in that group, in fairness, it's, it's on goal difference. Um, and the tops of the groups basically look how you would expect, with the exception of Manchester United, who drew, of course, with Rangers. And I was just thinking that with all the um, all the changes that Ferguson made, it was basically the Carling Cup side disguised as a Champions League team. And does that not suggest that the group stages are becoming a little bit more of a joke? Cause of course, now there's... It seems to go on forever, much as the Europa League does. And there's no well, real I denying, got, I, I think, that it looks like a money-making exercise. Right. UEFA does seem to mind, certainly. I think they've got the Europa League right now. I prefer it to the UEFA Cup. Well, I think I think um, the Champions League needs to go back to being straight knockout. Oh, yeah, definitely agree with that. Because people were saying you know, they, they didn't fill... Old Trafford wasn't full for a match against Rangers in the Champions League. Incredible. Like, what do you have to do to fill... I mean, I'm sure... You've got to have a testimonial against Celtic. That's what you've got to do to fill <laughs> yeah, a stadium. Exactly. Even oh, even I was at that. It was yeah. so full, even I was there. Yeah. And I, can't, I don't like Man United. Yeah. And... Um, Surely you'd have filled out half of the stadium. I did fill out most, yeah. um, most of the seats that I was around. Yeah, that's mm. for sure. And um, yes, thanks very much for that, by the way. I did genuinely see uh, when I took the wife to a football match at the start of this season, we went to an away game, there was a woman to our right who genuinely took two seats. Really? With her ass. Wow. I, it was incredible. I've never seen so. I mean, it's like Even American. So a lot wouldn't have liked. You know, you go to America and you expect to see stuff like that. Yeah. But you don't really. It's creeping up on us here, isn't it? Yeah. We well, are getting is, yeah. fat. Yeah. Really fat, yeah. And I mean, genuinely, she must have had to pay for two seats. How embarrassing on that the phone! Yeah, I'd like to. You think that would be the um, when you realised you were getting a bit big for the one seat, mm. you might think actually, do you know, what? I could probably do to lose a few. Could pounds. Do it. Yeah, one or two. But it's pounds. that thing, isn't it, where you hear about people getting to like you know seventy-five stone. You think get to forty, and then think twice about that burger. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Forty yeah. is quite big, isn't it? I mean, thirty. I don't know. I don't know how these things work. But you these these five foot eight people who are two hundred pounds and stuff, and you think, yeah, just lose a bit. So if you're listening and you're morbidly a <laughs> Tell us when you're going to calm Although, it down. Did you know that technically, according to the doctor's chart that I had uh, a checkup not long ago, I am morbidly obese. I can definitely, <laughs> definitely believe that. No, I would have said, I would have guessed you were. Mo- a- I w- apparently, what's above morbidly? I was going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, dead. You are. <laughs> so so far, I've inverted and started again. Right. Um, no, but it's good uh, for you. Apparently, I should be. Um, I'm six foot four, mm-hmm. as you know, and and quite. You know, I mean, I, I am stocky. I'm stacking <laughs> a fair few extra pounds on, but I'm quite a big guy anyway. I should be apparently eleven stone. If I was, if I weighed the amount you weighed, because because yeah. of my size, don't you think I would fill two seats? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but because you're quite tall, you don't actually look fat. Genuinely, you don't look fat. Well, I don't look thin, but I, yeah. you don't look fat. I don't. Someone look, what, looking what? at you wouldn't say he's a fat. But I joke about you being yeah. fat, but you don't look but fat. You wouldn't. But you at, are huge. <laughs> you wouldn't look at me and say he's morbidly obese. I would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much. Anyway, Champions League. I've seen you bend over. I was trying to think. Well, that was an accident, and uh, like I said, I've looked deep into the chasms <laughs> you can't, of hell. You can't log face to face without a bit of sacrifice, mate. Uh, we were going to. I was going to say, can we tell anything about the Champions League so far? Arsenal were fast out of the traps. Six 0 win. Still won't win it because they always fall away the longer the season goes on. And I hope I'm wrong, but I'm not. 
Barcelona hammered Panathinaikos, top of their group, no surprise there. Well, they did thinking... have the um, indignity to go ahead, didn't they, Panathinaikos? They dared to score first. They did, yeah, and you shouldn't do that. And Barca had perfectly Although, good goal uh, disallowed as Hercules well. Hercules did it, and they beat them 2-0. 2-0. You know, yeah. you could have got odds of 100-1 to 1 on them bef- doing that before the Well, game. there are odds of 100-1 on Scunthorpe being Sheffield United 4-0 as well. Really? So it does happen. I didn't want to talk about no. any Sheffield United results until <laughs> yesterday's, which I was kind of all right with. I was just thinking, you know, in, in I remember the European Champions League being one of the premier nights in Europe, and I think if it was a straight knockout, even if it was a two-legged knockout, the atmosphere would be better, the tension would be better, you wouldn't have 10 changes and a Carling Cup side getting to a nil-nil draw with Rangers and going, well, it's all right, we'll still qualify. This is what I want to see. Just the winners yep. of every league, not just the top leagues. Yeah. Let's get a few wild cards in there. Well, why not? Bit of Albania, you know? Let's let not. They don't have to qualify, let's just do it. All the leagues in Europe... Knockout, go for it. Be a mammoth competition. It'd be it brilliant. Would. Problem is, of course, they won't do it. And the reason, that, the thing is, the no reason seeding they won't either. Do it. Yeah. No. Oh, absolutely. No, no seeding. seeding. No, no seeding. No, no, no. Seeding is is despicable. And um, especially when you're doing it while we're logging. <laughs> yeah. Well, apologies for that, but uh, just put it away. I have no reason. I'm not going to go any further. With yeah. That. I remember there are kids listening to this. <laughs> and um, so yeah, you're absolutely right. And no seeding and a straight knockout. And of course, they won't do it. And it's money, isn't it? That's the it's got to be bottom line. Yeah. I think it's very, very depressing. Uh, so let's go on to a bit more about money very briefly before we People have a listen break. to this, you know, to sort of like escape, don't they? It's supposed to be a bit of fun. I have no and idea. And you finish that line going, very, very depressing. <laughs> I have no You're idea. You're listening to. Why people listen to this. No, I have no I idea. I really don't know. Perhaps it's for our interviews with, uh, you know, football journalists, which we haven't done for a while. No, but they, they do listen. That's the weird thing. I In know. their droves. I know. It's great. Really strange. Download figures are going through the rizoof. But we do not have yet. We've got like a, a core, but we don't yet. I've done a little bit of research. We don't yet have West Ham fans listening. Do we not? We don't have Sheffield Wednesday fans listening. We still don't. We don't have Scottish fans listening. And we want Maybe to keep the that. at the start. <laughs> well, we've yeah. got... Um, We've got a Sunderland fan. We've got at least one Sunderland fan that's listening that I know of, and uh, who knows? There may be some more latent Sunderland fans waiting to be flushed out there. But mm. uh, we've got we got another we've got another twenty thirty followers on Twitter. We're up to two hundred now. Thank you very much, by the way, to um, particularly the people that retweeted my request to get some uh, extra people in. I really appreciate that, and all the comments and people that are really getting involved with the Twitter thing, which is fabulous. Um, I just wanted to talk about the debt that some of these clubs are in. I know that's not related to Twitter, but I was going to get onto it before you interrupted me, and so I'm going to go back to that. You don't mind, my good friend. Um, they were talking this morning about on on um, the Sunday supplement about I was Liverpool's that. debt and just how. I mean, it was a bad episode, really. Wasn't it? it wasn't a great one. But there's a fellow. I'm not sure what his name is. The bald guy was wearing like a salmony top. Yeah, interrupts everyone. Yeah, do you know who he is? No. Welcome to Hallam Paul Football Log. <laughs> Breaking news. Accurate, yeah, source of accurate knowledge. And they were talking about why don't. Um, there's always been this thing about clubs that are in debt and the fans aren't happy. And they were saying, well, the fans will be furious if, if Gillette buys the club. And um, Brian Walner was saying, well, what are they going to do about it? And he said they should they should not go. They should not turn up. And this was talked about with the Man United fans as well, with the whole Glazer thing. You know, the, the Gillette thing, have you seen there's actually like, uh, some graffiti in Manchester which says, Gillette, the best a mank can get. <laughs> Very mm. good. Oh, they are funny, aren't they? Yeah, crazy. Unions. I don't like Lancashire, though, so if you are listening over there, don't get too cocky. Uh, but the, they were saying that this won't happen. And, uh, you know, you often see these uh, Man United fans wearing the green and gold scarves in their newest replica kit, which is yeah. not going to be worrying Glazer too much, I think. And I was thinking, are they ever going to be able to stand, leave the stands empty? But the fans won't do it. But I just briefly thought about the impact it might have on the finances and the owners if nobody turned up for two games. So let's say you can get 75,000 people inside Old Trafford. Let's presume that's £3 for a programme, £3 for a burger maybe, and only half the crowd bought both. You'd be making a quarter of a million pounds every game. 
So over two games, they stand to lose half a million pounds. That's fairly conservative. And that would surely have an impact rather than, like I say, just wearing a scarf and going, don't do it. And I know it means missing a game. And I know, it, you know, there are various issues at stake. But do you not think that would, if that started There's to no happen? penalty start... incurred for a fan missing a match. Well, no. So you just miss well, it. Well, except that, do it. Except if, you paid, except if you paid for your ticket, you want to go and see your team. And of I course. understand that. But if it is part of a bigger picture situation, because apparently when the proposed name change at St. James's Park came out, people said, oh, we should all boycott the match. And, you know, it was never it's gonna, too hard it was to, it's too hard to organise this it's, sort it's, of it's thing. It's next to impossible to organise. Next to impossible. But it's a great idea. It would possibly get the message home. However, the message is getting home, Paul, of just attendances in general. They're down. You look at almost every Premiership stadium, certainly stadiums in the Championship, there's huge pockets. I believe I heard it was 20% in the Championship. Really? For the first time in about five years, Sheffield United got less than 20,000 in midweek. Right. So it is happening. It's happening everywhere. Well, I mean, Newcastle's ground, we had 10,000 empty seats for the Villa match. Mm. And I mean, you know, the prices are um, very, very high, which, as you know, is why I didn't renew my season ticket. I got no reward for having been a season ticket holder when we were relegated. Uh, for choosing to buy my season ticket after we were relegated. And not that I expected, you know, thousands of pounds off it, but there was no sort of uh, incentive. incentive for me yeah. to renew, really. So, you know, it is obviously a major problem. And people, the thing is that it's a slow, it's not a slow death, but it's a slow burn. The, the debt in football, people have been talking about it for years and years and years, and it is creeping up. And it's obviously a state now where, you know, Liverpool, I think 700 million pounds, Man United over a billion, thanks to the Glazer. And still nothing seems to be being done about it. And yet West Brom and clubs like them who are not in debt and they mm. run very well, they're coming up and down every season. And where's their reward? You know, is it fair that, that Manchester United and Chelsea are allowed to partake in these big European nights when they actually don't have the money they claim to have? Clearly not, but it's the way it's going to be until we see someone in a position of power yeah. make some sort of like wage cap or transfer cap or whatever and then, then it'll change problem is it's a massive issue and it's very difficult to know how to solve it and certainly it's beyond the scope of our silly brains I think it's fair to say yeah the, the proper person's test was supposed to eliminate all this wasn't it yeah the chairman who, well, who was actually going to be in charge it I read a really interesting difference. article about the fit and proper person's test not long ago where they said um, after recent changes the fit and proper person tests now includes um, a part where you have to prove that you've got the money that you said you had who'd have thought it now I'm, you know, and this was heralded as some trumpeted as some great success. But I'm not going to applaud something that should have been done. Like the very first thing, surely you would do if somebody turned up at your door and went, "Oh, can I buy your football club? I've got seventy million quid." Would you not at least ask them to show you the money, mm. Jerry Maguire style? Yeah. Maybe not even that enthusiastically, but just as a sort of basic background check, you might say, "You know, are you sure you're just not having me on?" Mm. And they would presumably then have to, you know, cough up. Look at Portsmouth. How many owners have they been through that just didn't have any of the money they said they had? And everybody feels sorry for them to a certain degree. But there's always that tingling doubt at the back of your mind that makes you think, well, actually, I have no sympathy for them whatsoever. Having watched Portsmouth yesterday, it's incredible how they've fallen. They've got 1-11, to 11, still really good players. Yeah. Um, but there's just something crucially wrong. And I think I was, I was actually walking out of the stadium and I saw all the Portsmouth fans bedecked in Portsmouth regalia and they must have spent a fortune yeah, amongst mm. that small thousand or so yeah. they've all bought loads of stuff at the club shop and you think where is this money disappearing to mm. where well is I mean going? David James wrote, uh, wrote, writes a column for a newspaper whose name escapes me right now I think it might be the, the Telegraph and he was saying at the sort of early stage of last season that they'd sold I think they'd sold Defoe and, and various other players and they'd raked in about 90 million quid uh, but, it, you know, they were still in loads and loads of debt. Like, how how can that happen for a club like Portsmouth to make £90 million from uh, sales over the summer and they're still in debt? I mean, that is, that is awful mismanagement. 
It's incredible. It's the price of winning the FA Cup and the price of getting to the final. Well, it's the price of trying to move up another level in football terms, isn't it? I mean, Portsmouth were always, oh, they weren't always a stable club, but by the time Redknapp took over, he obviously did good things with them. He kept them in the Premiership, got them to an FA Cup final, and then they started to presume that they could then go on and challenge for Europe. But you only need to look at Leeds to see just how, you know, to be a massive club of that stature, it needs to be something more. It needs to be ingrained into your history in a way that, Leeds had one bad season and suddenly they were, you know, free falling. And obviously they may well be on their way back now. Let's hope not. Eh? Well, especially exactly. not next Saturday. They they've lost a lot of friends and uh, they're starting to get a few of them back. But I think it might be a while before they're uh, back where they were. You ever been to Fratton Park? No, I've never been. Third World. It is. <laughs> really? I can't it believe like a bit of a shack on telly that these players, particularly ones who come from abroad who wouldn't have heard of Portsmouth, would have seen the stadium and gone, "Yes, I will sign." It, it's a joke. The stadium's an absolute joke. I can't believe they survived in the Premiership with that stadium. Well, maybe it's done like the fit and proper person's test, and they took them all around St Mary's. Yeah, and just said, "Yeah, this is the stadium." That South is an Coast. impressive stadium. <laughs> Did you see Nigel Adkins on the Football League show who got a stadium tour? The new manager <laughs> wanted a stadium tour before the game. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not surprised. It's a nice stadium. Yeah, and England drew two all there with Macedonia. Mm. I bet you didn't remember that. Did I do remember that. I remember that very well. Yeah. I remember at university, and if, if Matt is listening, he'll remember this as well. We watched uh, Liverpool against Southampton from St Mary's, and because we were in a house full of six people, and we had to, it was on pay-per-view at the time, and we didn't have um, Sky Sports, so we paid for it and got put in with the cable bill so we only paid for like a sixth of it each yeah. and uh so a, a third of it between us and um yeah the other people had to pay the rest and they never watched it so that was a good it was a nil nil draw so not a great night no and a nice little scheme nonetheless so we knew how not to really a cottage money. industry paul but uh, <laughs> no not really interesting ish i suppose well how about a little sting break and then we'll come back with some more results more foreign climbs the german table which is looking uh pretty good at the moment Cesc Fabregas' goal, Mark Lawrenson's joke, and Hal's one to watch, and Sam Allardyce with the most audacious claim, surely, of the season. I'm Jamie Redknapp. Didier Drogba's literally on fire. Football log. We should point out as well, we said we'd talk about the uh, Bundesliga. If you're currently going and searching online, as people do, for uh, Bochum, 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 they're not in the Bundesliga, so uh, that's why you won't be able to find them. They got relegated last season, and they are the favourites, uh, along with um, several others, like Hertha as well, to, uh, to come straight back. They, am I right in saying that they start with VFB, like Stuttgart do? VFB, Bochum? I don't believe so. No, I, th- I thought they did. I'm just thinking about you know, like opening, because um, there's TSG Hoffenheim as well. And uh, I always think like you know that we've got Manchester United or FC and and various mm-hmm. things like that, and obviously in Barcelona and Spain, sorry, it's CF often, isn't it? Because it's club to football. Just wondered what the German was, and as the resident German speaker on the log, I should know. Welcome, we've got some quality players actually. Sestak at right wing, um, good little player. All right, I don't, I've not I've not heard of his work. Just throwing it out there. We need to go to Germany soon. We do. I've got like a month off. We need to go to Germany. Yeah. I want to see St. Pauli. So do I. Well, if um, if John is listening from from our rival, but not really rival, because we all get along very well in the independent podcast world. The Ru- podcast. John Rudge. John Rudge, yeah. who, who I believe read was born abroad. Uh, he was born in Hong Kong or something I read. About. I didn't read that. He's yeah. tweeted today that he's off to Las Vegas, oh, which right. is infuriating because I want to go to Las mm. Vegas. He could have invited us on that trip. At the very, very least. Anybody can go to Germany. Yeah. But um, yeah, John, if you are listening, we're still up for that. He, he was looking, he's been tweeting me about it. Um, they're looking at booking in January, so hopefully we'll be we'll be on for something. Great, so I'll be busy then. Well, I'll be busy then as well. But you've got to make time for these things. You got you got to, you've got to cancel life for St. Pauli, <laughs> for FC St. Pauli. They would do the same for us. It's currently residing fifteenth in the Bundesliga after three games. So how how game are uh, Kaiserslautern doing? Because they got promotion, didn't they? They're doing very well. They're fourth. Yeah, they're good for them. Fourth, they're five points off the top. Um, but they are. Well, actually, I say they're fourth. They're actually tied with three with two other teams for fourth. But Hamburg and Hanover 
as well. And then the it's actually quite tight. I mean, there's only 12 points in the whole league, and obviously it's only four games in. So, But um, it's Mainz who are leading the charge with uh, 12 points from four games, which I think will suggest to you that they've done rather well so far. And uh, I don't think anybody would expect in that. Bayern Munich in eighth, not doing as well. Only five points from four, which is what Liverpool have managed to achieve as well, which makes it their worst start in the last 18 years, by the way, thanks to today's result. Mainz, is that how it's pronounced? Yeah. I always would have said Mainz. Yeah, it does look like that, but it's, you've got to have that German inflection about you to say Mainz. I see. Yeah, it's a fascinating division, and we argued last season, of course, it was the most exciting. We did. Well, you got you know, you know got Wolfsburg in relegation spots. Um, Schalke, who finished, I think they ended up finishing second last season. Wasn't but they've it? got four teams, so uh, what's, <laughs> what's the excuse? Yeah, two brothers know there can't be, surely. No excuse. And in fact, uh, Rafa Honigstein, friend of the log and uh, former interviewee, as we know, was saying that the Premiership started off with a lot of 6-0 wins. You know, we, we joked about how often 6 nils were happening and obviously we seem to have calmed that down this week. Oh God, I know where you're going with this. And he said, no, no, I'm not going, not going to talk about Stuttgart. Yeah, I am going to talk oh, about okay. Stuttgart, yeah. Because he said, well, you wouldn't get that in Germany. <laughs> hmm. So the uh, result was Borussia Mönchengladbach nil. VFB Stuttgart, seven. I did see that, yeah. It's a hefty old win. And a hat-trick for Pobdowniak, uh, who hadn't done very well last season. Easy so for you to say. I know, so good to see him uh, getting, getting amongst the goals. So, you know, the there is still a very uh, legitimate chance for the Bundesliga to be one of the best leagues in Europe this year. And I hope there's more. Yeah, you know, I love a good 7-0. I mean, obviously not on the receiving end of one. But, but I, isn't it awful that we, as non... I think ESPN have it, but as non-ESPN subscribers can't see Bundesliga action? It is. Well, it's difficult. I mean, they, they play a lot of games on Friday nights as well, so mm. that would fill the gap in the week. Okay, it girl, used, it used girlfriends across the land would love this. It used to be on Sky, and Alan McAnally was uh, was the co-commentator. Yeah, and he's he's good value. I think the problem is that it's this thing with Sky Sports that it's all about the glitz and the glamour. Although they do still insist on calling Fulham against Burnley Super Sunday, or when you know last season. Mm. This year, I think uh, Wigan West Ham is on a Super Sunday, so I can't can't wait for that one. Uh, but they think it's not glamorous enough. You know, you got Bayern Munich, who, as um, Rafa was saying are the, the big name in German football. And then below them, you've got a list of teams who could realistically win it. So it makes it more exciting, but you don't have the big names. You don't have the glitz, the glamour, the kind of reputation that things like La Liga and Serie A come with, even though Serie A is renowned by many to be fairly boring. And it's also not on Sky Sports, in fairness. That's on the ESPN as well. But you know. Sky are probably worried that if we watch Bundesliga action, we'll do some basic research and realise that they pay £10 for an adult. <laughs> Yeah. To go and watch a quality match, and yeah, we're forking through the nose. Do you know how much I'm paying to watch Sheffield United go to Ellen Road no. next? It's twenty nine pounds. Really? Yeah, we've got an obscured view as well. You know, that there's, some, there's some lower league clubs that are charging that much. Yeah, well. like I mean, lower lower leagues into the conference. Well, thank the you. I know you consider the championship beneath you, and it, it is. is beneath me. Yep. But um, I heard a report from non-league day, which was a couple of Fridays ago, that um, or a couple of Saturdays ago. Sorry. Uh, that they were charging, you know, fairly not extortionate, but you know, high price for a uh, for a non-league game. I've got a question for you. Fire away. As a number of you know, I will soon be moving yeah. down south, and I'm going to live in uh, Wickham. Okay. Uh, high Wickham, as, as it's called. Yes. Uh, but I'm going to call it Wickham because that's the name of the football team, and I'm going to be literally three miles from Adams Park, which is where Wickham play. And I thought, right, should I go and watch Wickham Wanderers? And I thought, oh, yeah, I've got to do something because I'll be working on Saturday and I can't go and watch the Blades, but I'll have time off in the afternoon on Saturday, yeah. so I can probably go and watch Wickham. Then I came across something shocking, <laughs> something that shook my earth to the very core, something that has caused me quite a bit of distress and has got me into, as you know what I'm like, letter-writing mode. <laughs> my I'm, God. Well, I'm British. Yes, you are. Gareth Ainsworth. Oh, dear. <laughs> plays for Wickham Wanderers. <laughs> well, you should go. Morally, I cannot hand over money 
to a no. club that would employ Gareth Ainsworth. Take the guy who kept sniping uh, Nanny, Nanny from the stands <laughs> today. Thanks, Tyrone, for that joke, by yeah. the way. Um, Nanny did spend, as observed by my better half, most of the game on his ass today. Uh, take him along and see if you can't get a decent couple of pot shots in. You're not a big Gareth Ainsworth fan, are you? Not a huge fan, uh, but I've, I've written a letter to uh, Wickham Wanderers Football Club stating that I will go and watch them and, and pay to see them if... They promise not to play him. Well, not that. That would be ridiculous. That would be stupid. That would <laughs> okay. never happen. Yeah, sorry, my apologies. If Gareth Ainsworth... That's what I've asked for. If Gareth Ainsworth writes a written apology to both myself and, and Dame, Dame Whitehouse, House. and I have attached Dame Whitehouse's address. Don't ask me how I got it. It's creepy. Um, <laughs> in that letter. So we wait. Yeah, and uh, funnily enough, I don't think we're going to hear anything. Funnily enough, this doesn't surprise you that I've done this either, does it? No, it it doesn't. (laughs) Well, I know how passionate you feel about uh, Big Dane. Well, I think anyone would, shouldn't you? you? If you see someone um, crucified, literally, uh, right in front of you, uh, the whole career destroyed, and the fellow does it, doesn't say sorry. It's not a lot to ask for, is it? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, well, we've talked about this on another... we've talked about it before. And I've I've only had very limited experience of seeing Dane Whitehouse play, but he looked like a decent player. But whether he was a good player or not, you know, and whether you meant it or not, you should at least acknowledge that something bad happened. And so my bad. We even take that. Yeah. Talking about players who've suffered from injuries uh, in unusual circumstances. I'm trying to think about a way to link this in now to Cesc Fabregas. He broke his leg taking a penalty. Um, Darren so- Barnard, cruciate ligament, slipped in some wee. Really? Yeah. Crikey, wow. You wouldn't want to admit that to the doctor, <laughs> would you? Unless it was covering for something even more embarrassing, yeah. which you wouldn't want to also talk about. But by the way, shout out to Antonio Valencia, who's in my fantasy team. Great. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and in more. Yeah, I mean, that's the most important part of this story, obviously, mm. is that I'm going to lose points for it, but also a pretty horrible injury against Rangers. Do you, and, uh, you imagine if uh, you were the doctor operating and <laughs> <laughs> brings him in and goes, oh, who's the... I've got you in my bloody fantasy oh, my team. God, what are you oh, playing God. at? No, sort yourself out. He'll be fine. Run it off. Get back <laughs> on the field. You'll be all right. I had Rooney in there as well, so that was a good shout, wasn't it? Um, I'm actually I'm, I'm taking part in another podcast's fantasy football league, and I'm bottom hmm. on behalf of the log. So, uh, Bockham, as it's pronounced. <laughs> yeah. And I haven't even had the goal to check our own fantasy league this week because I didn't even look at it. I've got Shamak in there, and he, he popped in with a goal. I will lend you asterisks, and then you will have the goal. Thank you. If Lampard uh, scores today, if he even plays, if he's recovered yet from his injury oh it's if a shocking does, injury apparently yeah if he does score today um then at least i'll be in with a chance because i've got him as captain but then so is everybody else so this is a problem so let's get off let's quickly talk about uh Seth fabregas because he's a young player who is who has often been said as not quite you know not quite reached the potential he should have he's obviously he's a great player but i feel like he's never really made the impact on the game that he should have but his precision arrow like eagle style finish into the top of Sunderland's net yesterday was something to behold. Talk us through the goal, Hal. Nope, because uh, I was at a party last night. <laughs> One thing well, led was, to another. I was really annoyed because I turned over to match the day not not two minutes too late to watch it. So they missed the goal. I'd heard all about it all Oh, day. you on about the young... The, the, well, not the young girl, the Anton Ferdinand yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see, yeah. Because, I, I mean, I just was struggling. My mind was like, what? I know I watched it, but I was half asleep. <laughs> yeah, I do remember Anton Ferdinand di- dil- dilly-dallying on the ball. Had a chance to clear it. And then... Just, I think the word is schwacked it uh, into what looked like the shins of Cesc Fabregas yeah. and it went high, high up <laughs> into the air and then bounced into the back of uh, the Sunderland net. Couldn't have done it if he'd been trying, I imagine. It'll never happen again. No. It did remind us of, of course, Jason Cundy. Jason Cundy's goal for, to- for Tottenham, yeah. Or was it against Tottenham? I think it was for Ipswich against yeah, Tottenham. sorry, my mistake. But then they then signed him based yeah. on that wonder strike. And that was uh, that was better because that was he sort of fell over on the halfway line he and just accidentally slipped. volleyed yeah. it into the back of the net. But he will claim that that was what he intended yeah, to do. Yeah, I think Cesc should claim that he meant to do that as well. Cause, uh, and I was thinking, you know, he's... I don't know what it is about Cesc Fabregas. I always feel like he should be considered one of the great midfielders of our generation. And somehow he's... Not Something's even holding him back. Not even considered one of the great 
five midfielders in Spain. Well, no, exactly. And is that because he's not winning things at Arsenal, or is it because? Well, I think it's maybe things? because he's you know it's it's sort of like out of, outside out of mind, isn't it? He's not yeah. playing in Spain. The likes of uh, Xabi Alonso, his reputation rose when he left Liverpool yeah, and he, he became a bit of a stalwart. And Busquets as well. I think most of us in the UK would say we think Sesk is better than Busquets. Yeah, I think so. But over there they disagree. Well, sometimes young players who come through and do great things, they can then fall off the radar a bit. And we try hard on this log not to let that happen. Mm. So we're going to talk now about a young player who is certainly coming through the ranks, one to watch, in the return of Howl's one to watch. Francis Jeffers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> not going to talk about Franny. The fox in the box. Uh, we're going to talk about... Now, I'm, I'm going to struggle with this one, Mr. Stavely. I always look at you because you're such a wordsmith. Yeah. I'll, I'll do his first name. How's that? Yes, okay. Art Joms. Rudnevs. Yeah, there we are. Now, he's a player that I... Born I, in 1988. My God, man. Thank you. That I thought I'd best just find out a bit more about because I was watching Juventus against uh, Lech Posnan. The old lady of Turin. Exactly, in the midweek. And it was 3 all. What a cracker. And this lad scored a hat-trick. And I thought, well, I best remember his name. And I thought, oh, crikey. Uh, but he he's one of these that can play up front or on the wing, uh, the right wing predominantly. And uh, he's just he's got it all. He's got everything I saw. All three goals were everything that it would epitomise a complete striker. Oh, I see. So I thought, like, we, I need to know a bit more about him. We do. And uh, he, he's one of these, as you mentioned, born in 1988, so uh, younger than us. Yeah. Always frustrating. But then again, not so young that it's like... He's just just starting. We probably should have heard of him by now. Yeah, true. And in, in other news, actually, sorry to interrupt, but Daniel Sturridge, who's a young player to sort of watch, I suppose, mm-hmm. he, I think, has made history by becoming the first player to play in the Champions League who was born after it became the Champions League. That is interesting. I think that's right. Mm. I'll double-check my sources. Anyway. I, I like, yeah, your sources are pretty good. In fact, remind me to ask you what barbecue sauce it was you put on those nachos we had. That I, I can't will. remember, but it was it was the right choice. Uh, so anyway, yeah, if you want to find out more about uh, Art, Art Joms, I'm going to call him Art. Let's call yeah, him Art. Let's call him let's Art. Let's call him Art. Well, uh, check out Lech. Pos- We're going to call them Lech. <laughs> <laughs> L-E-C-H. Uh, check out them. Um, yeah, Ledge Hosnan. Check them out because they've got some, some good players in there. And, and he's had a bit of a checkered past. He, he's not had a, a career littered uh, with clubs that we'll have heard of, so we won't bother talking about them. But he has played for his national team and has not set the world alight. He's Latvian. Uh, he hasn't really done the business. His goal-scoring record is, is pretty poor. Six, uh, six appearances, no goals for Latvia. Mm. Um, but his domestic goal-scoring record wasn't too bad, was it? Absolutely incredible. At uh, You might remember uh, Zalesnikar. Uh, <laughs> what is it? Zalagerzegi. <laughs> Zalagerzegi. Zalagerzegi. We do our research on this show. Don't They're, ever tell us that we don't know. I call him ZTE. Yes. Uh, he <laughs> got he got uh, 20 goals in 30. Not bad. In one season. Especially bear in mind some of that's from the right wing. Absolutely incredible. But he's carried on that record with Lech, uh, with uh, <laughs> four in five. That's not including the hat-trick he got against Buffon. I mean, this is not a slack defence. Chiellini involved in that. Um, you know, three all, away from home as well. Because when you mentioned him to me first, I thought, oh, I'll let Hal do a profile on him and I won't have to read anything about him. But I thought, what I will do is read a little bit about him just to find out what's going on. Because uh, for a start, I thought you might... Because it's such a difficult name. When you said on the Facebook group, remember the name. We had I a thought, funny comment from Al as well. Yeah, I thought maybe he's uh, maybe he's taking the mick here. But um, no. I looked at his Wikipedia page and um, it talks about the hat trick that you talked about. And I just I just thought I'd mention this in case any of you still use Wikipedia for your homework research and rely on it as a considerable bastion of truth and uh, honesty. Five days later, he was on the score sheet again, scoring a hat trick in a game against Juventus. This is verbatim from the Wikipedia page. The first goal, a coolly slotted penalty. Okay. The second, a scissor kick from three yards. Great okay. goal. And the third, an equalising long yard kick. 
deep into injury time. Now, I don't know what an uh, equalizing long yard kick is, really. He released the Kraken, that's all I can say. <laughs> yes, he did. It also said on his Wikipedia page, which we, which you sort of danced around because I mm. tried to not mention it, but it did say he's never played well for the national team. So that is quite a subjective uh, judgment, I would say. <laughs> but his goal-scoring record suggests he's got talent. I mean, there's no doubt about that. So, um, yeah, Arty, Rem- Art Joms has got talent. Remember the, the name, Art Joms Radnevs. Rud- is it, wasn't it Rudnevs? The new Marion Pahas. So let's get back to people with difficult names to remember. Oh, no, that's not really true. Uh, but people who have uh, perhaps entertained us with their lack of English, or in some cases their actual English in ridiculous accents, what is your favourite footballing accent? I wanted to get onto this because I, I saw an interview with Steve McLaren and he's still got the Dutch accent. So I thought that might be my favourite uh, footballing accent. That's a great accent. I do actually like the, the Dutch accent's brilliant. Yeah. I love hearing Clarence Sadoff talk with such clarity because he speaks such great English, yeah. as, as most of them do, of course. Um I'm talking about Dutch people here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he uh, he spoke. He speaks very well. I like it. But my personal favourite accent has to be. I mean, if we're talking of nations, yeah. When Claudio Ranieri learned English, yeah, I thought that was the best accent I'd ever heard. And and Claudio Ranieri should really still be Juventus manager because he led them to their uh, best finish since the scandal. They got rid of him. They had the uh, the mess with Chiro Ferrara. Yeah, that didn't work. Alberto Zaccaroni. That didn't work. Yeah. You might have seen they're not started like great guns no. under Del Neri. So they conceded three to Lech Poznan in the. Uh, they did, including yes. an equalising Re- yard kick. Remember the name, <laughs> Art Joms Rudnevs. Good times. I also thought about Jan Molby and Peter Schmeichel for favourite footballing accent because Jan Molby was. Uh, You're going for a kind of Scandinavian thing. Well, yeah, it's just that I mean, like you say, a, a lot of foreign people who come over to this country speak English at a rate that is embarrassing to those of us who do not speak Dutch, German, French, mm. uh, Spanish, etc., etc. But they often sort of tend to fall into quite sort of cliched roles in cert- from certain places. You know, the Dutch. While I do love the Dutch accent, it is very kind of Steve McLaren, yeah, yeah, Euros, Euros. Uh, and there's also the German accent, which is very is often very and the French accent is very predictable as well quite often so you sort of feel like they're going into stereotypes whereas the Scandinavian accents they seem to be a bit more malleable you know Peter Schmeichel and Jan Mulby they became Mancunian and Liverpoolian despite also yeah. being a bit Scandinavian and that's a wonderful blender and I always really like that you know um, you say this is embarrassing about what languages we can't speak and others can yeah. uh, John Tay who of course plays for North Korea. Oh, Borkum. Borkum. He can speak, get this, because he's originally from South Korea, so he speaks Korean. The fun part of Korea. The fun half. (laughs) But he chose to play for North Korea. As you would. Really weird, because South Korea don't recognise North Korea, you know, as a nation. So his passport, they wouldn't issue him as a North Korean passport. So he's still a South Korean citizen, but FIFA recognised North Korea as a nation, so they've allowed him to play. But What FIFA says goes. He lived in Japan for so long, that he speaks Japanese. Okay. Whilst playing in Japan, he played with so many Brazilians, he learnt Portuguese. Right. For fun, he's learnt English, and now he speaks German. Wow. Incredible. This lad is only, he's, he's younger than both of us. Yeah. And he speaks, I mean, I've lost count now, I think it was about five languages. That's incredible. incredible. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. And yet you have Jamie Redknapp and Andy Gray, who can't really speak English yet. No. Uh, so that's something to be uh, keeping an eye out for. <laughs> Speaking of people who are, perhaps wouldn't be at home in foreign climes, Sam Allardyce has been uh, firing oh, off yeah. this week. Did you see this? Yeah, about and Madrid. I know this yeah. has probably been covered on many another podcast, but actually I think it might not have been yet, because I think they said these things on Friday. And, um, the Most professional podcasts are already recorded at that well, stage. Well, <laughs> the three or four podcasts that I know of don't record till Monday, so we may be the first one to do this, which would be great. Yeah. Um, Although, what if you hear this afterwards? Yeah, well, in that mm. case, mm. Mm. for reference, uh, again, live, it's Sunday and it's half four. Uh, he said that he would, 
he's not really suited to managing places like Bolton and Blackburn. He would be more suited to a place like Real Madrid, uh, which it wouldn't be a problem for him because he could win the league and cup double and the Champions League every season, he said. Thoughts? Couldn't anyone say that? Well, yeah. <laughs> and he said that his style of football, presumably he'd be instructing Kakar and Gonzalo Higuain to nut the opposition goalkeepers out of the way like El Hadjadjouf did yesterday for mm. Christopher Samba's goal. That's a good point there. Who who do you drop in the Real Madrid team to play El Hadjadjouf? <laughs> well, exactly. This is the thing. And, you know, if, if let's be honest, if Benzema has to go out to bring Jason Roberts in, then that's what's got to happen. what's got to happen. The thing is, I don't have a problem with Allardyce as a manager. I know a lot of people can't stand him. And I'm... Mm. He didn't do a great job at Newcastle, but I don't think he did as bad a job as everybody made out. And he's obviously he did great things with Bolton. And Blackburn are pretty solid after what looked like a terrible start under Paul Shoot Ins. So it's not that he's a bad manager, I don't think, by any means. But I think it's very easy to black and white the situation at a club like Madrid by going, oh, they've got loads of money, so it'll be easy to manage them. I mean, ask Alex Ferguson how easy it is to manage Manchester United. The pressure you have to deal with means that you can't get you know a one-all draw at home to a, a battling team and call it a good battling draw. You, your expectation is to win every game. Good point. I mean, Real Madrid have, have won a couple of games. They won this weekend and they scored and the fans were whistling and booing. They've been booing Cristiano Ronaldo because of his tendency to shoot every time he gets the ball, which I can annoying. imagine would be annoying. He did score the winner, didn't he, against yeah. Espanyol? Yeah, he did, yeah. But so they drew with Mallorca on the opening day that's true. and the whole thing wasn't about what a great result for Mallorca. It was crisis crisis at Real Madrid yeah. yeah and and you know Real Madrid let's be honest they have been through their fair share of coaches in their time so the level at which you've got to operate to I mean you know you've you've heard you we all know the story about coaches winning the Champions League and getting sacked and you know I think it's it's all very well and it's all very well for us to sit here even as a podcast presenter but if especially if we were just mates and going oh yeah well if I was at Real Madrid I'd play them here and we'd win the league every season but if you're a professional football manager you can't just come out and say well Blackburn's all right but it's a bit crap if I managed Real Madrid I'd win everything you know what the problem is Vince Del Bosque Vincent Del Bosque yeah. uh, has now won like the the World Cup yeah. the Champions League La Liga yeah you know, he did it all and it wasn't enough when yeah. he was at Real Madrid the Champions League and the league it wasn't enough because he, he, he doesn't have that look it wasn't a big name so he went to Besiktas right? didn't do very well now what if it had been the other way around if he'd been the manager of Besiktas he never would have got the job at Real Madrid Yeah. now this is the problem when you the, the, the current managers who are managing small clubs let's pick um, Ian Holloway for example yeah. like, let's say he, he finishes the season with Blackpool where they are right now like yeah. seventh in the league or whatever yeah. uh, big clubs are going to come calling for Ian Holloway mm. but he's got a reputation of doing it with like a team, yeah, exactly. with the, where the team, the sum of its parts is greater than the star, yeah. and all that. So their style is totally different. Wouldn't necessarily be suited yeah. to a big club, and that's often why when they pick up these little managers that no one's ever heard of and take them to the big clubs, it just still doesn't work. Mm. Which is why I think Mourinho was such a good choice for Madrid because not only has he got experience of managing big clubs on a big stage and winning the Champions League, but he's also managed to do it by taking out that kind of, you know, he doesn't stand for the Galactico nonsense. So, yes, they might have to grind out the odd 1-0 win against Osasuna, but it is better than not winning the game. And the what? Madrid fans will presumably get used to that. And if, you know, I mean, Sid Lowe was saying not long ago, if they win the Champions League, nobody will be complaining. And, you know, Mourinho's got passed with that, so they can't be whistling the fans. But I would love to see Allardyce given the job. I really would. I mean, What difference is it, Jose Mourinho and other managers, the crucial difference... He wasn't a player. Yeah. Maybe it's time to start looking outside the small box. I think for sure that the big difference between Mourinho and Allardyce, for example, is that if Allardyce was given the Real Madrid job, I don't think he would win the league every season. If Mourinho was given the Blackburn job, I don't know if he'd win the league, but I bet he could get them up that table. Yeah. You know what? We've met a lot of footballers. We've mentioned it a lot. Yeah. It boggles my mind how they can ever become managers. <laughs> I don't even think they can manage their own bank account. So, so, yeah, I think it's seriously, it's time. And we've said it here on the log. 
look outside the box. Let's yeah. get give someone like you know Paul Stavely a chance. Yeah, why not? I mean, you know, I've got a great record on Champ Man, haven't I? You I have yeah. John Cullen. For, yeah, under the under the auspices of my assistant manager Hal Stewart, who would mm-hmm. soon be. Uh, down the job centre so <laughs> that is uh, that is it for this week's log and, and what a fun log it's been nice to have you back in the studio it's been very nice been great to have you I just wanted to finish with a look at Mark Lawrence we, we've we've um, belied the state of commentary in this world and, and, it, and it's uh, a beleaguered subject and we were saying I was saying to a, a buddy on Twitter not long ago that the ITV commentary during the World Cup was probably the nadir of all commentary I've ever heard it was mm. a terrible tournament from that point of view and all around actually the BBC didn't cover themselves in glory either um, but last night on Match of the Day Mark Lawrenson was talking about Stoke against uh, West Ham and how the West Ham were trying to pass their way into the box. And Mark Lawrenson said, well, you can't do that. It's Stoke. The box is like the outside lane of the M6. There's bodies everywhere. Now, that is exactly what he said. So I'm not making it up. I'm not, you know, I'm just saying, I'm just thinking, well, that's a bit of a funny thing to say anyway. Mm. And I didn't know this at the time, but then I, I, I went on Twitter to see if anybody had picked this up and whether I just thought I was overreacting. And it turns out that not only is the outside lane of the M6 an accident hotspot outside Stoke, mm. but that people were killed there just last week. Now, obviously, it had escaped my knowledge, so I'm not for a second suggesting that Lawrence did it on purpose, and I'm, I'm sure that he didn't. But that's a really stupid thing to say, isn't it? I didn't know that, and I still wouldn't have made that joke. You can't... You can't crack on about bodies on the motorway, surely. No, you can't. No. He's an idiot. He always has been. Well, yeah, and uh, you know, it's not the first time. I mean, he was back to making jokes afterwards, so he obviously didn't mind that much. He was saying something about, oh, he was in spitting distance of El Hajjouf. And in fairness, yeah. El Hajjouf is a fairly safe target for making... Nobody likes no problem with that. No problem Nobody with that. Nobody likes at all. him at all. Um, but I was just thinking, you know, like, are we... Uh, is he just going to get away with this? Is there going to be any sort of apology? I mean, obviously, you know, like what Big Ron said was, was an, well, I guess an awful lot worse depending on how you judge these things. But he had to leave his job. Rodney Marsh had to leave his job. And he, they wouldn't be the first. But, what you know, can Lawrenson really get away with that? I would. I think he's he's said stupid things in the past. Yeah. He's still in exactly the same place. You know, yeah. the fact that he got away with that moustache, which looked like a, it was a tash like a nun's gash, <laughs> and he had it for that length of time, uh, and nothing was ever said, uh, he'll get away with this, no problem. Okay, well, uh, we'd be interested to hear your thoughts, loggers, not least on Hal's sense of humour. And uh, they are, there are a myriad of ways to get in touch with us. There's a smorgasbord, a smorgasbord, yeah, mm. of getting in touch with Balkum. us. Yeah, <laughs> here at the log. And uh, here are just some of the many ways that you can give us a bell. You can drop us a line on Twitter. It's twitter.com forward slash football log. Uh, please do get involved on that. That's the that's where I'm spending most of my time now. The Twitter. Should we account. give away phone booth on this? On this yeah, we should. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a we'll get a trivia question and um, give away phone booth. Uh, we've got phone booth on DVD here, courtesy of Hal Stewart. Uh, it's not really football related, but you can have it, and he doesn't want it anymore. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's it's not the official version. I should stress. <laughs> <laughs> so you can win a pirated <laughs> copy of phone booth that we just don't want anymore. I got this from uh, Singapore. Uh, it works perfectly well. Okay, what should the trivia question be? Um, yeah, you have no uh, idea, do you? I'm just looking at this thing if it'll work on. Uh, oh, actually, if, the um, if carry on, if Adam's listening, can you tell us the answers oh, to this? Who scored more goals than getting? It's frustrated me. It's so ridiculous. Much. Yeah. I think he's. I think it's like. Oh, I think it must be own goal or something. My, my dad thought he had the answer, but I totally forgot what he said, <laughs> which was even more annoying. And so. he hasn't posted the answer yet, so for God's sake, man, post it. That's at the Facebook group. It's facebook.com forward slash the football log, I think. Uh, but you can just type in the Hallam Paul football log and we turn up not only the group, but also the fan page. Uh, the email address is football underscore log at yahoo.co.uk. And don't forget, you can email us and get subscribed to our weekly-ish 
sort of email the logger which is going great guns that's got football clips and uh, stories and stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the main log or if we have to have a week off for uh, any nefarious reasons we can cover it all in there so there are lots of ways to get in touch with us really at the moment aren't there? Mm. and thanks by the way to kim on twitter for offering to help us with the website i'm sorry i haven't got back to you about that and all our twitter friends who i did promise a shout out to but i'm not going to do it uh, because there's thousands of them now we've got loads of people getting in touch and it's really great that they uh, that they are doing so so stay in touch and uh, enjoy yourselves look after yourselves and how be can safe. i how can i relate this to uh ah here we are yeah go on phone booth yeah stars colin farrell yeah and forrest whitaker Right, can you see where I'm going with this? I can, yeah, go okay. on. Okay. Um, You're fired, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Nottingham Forest. Yeah, that's probably the only thing I, I could have done there. Yeah. Uh, famously had a manager named... Brian Clough. Billy Davis. Oh, right. uh, no, but Brian Clough, yeah, absolutely. Brian Clough. Brian Clough has recently had a statue erected of him <laughs> with his famous assistant. What was his assistant's name? Nice. I just frantically opening up the internet. To try yeah, you don't it. even know, so that's good. If you don't know, then no, I do know. But I was just no, I'm frantically opening up the internet right. to try and find a trivia question. But you've come up with that's one. There, so it's it's easy. But uh, using our tenuous link, you can also enter if you can come up with a more tenuous link to a trivia question than that. <laughs> Forrest Whitaker <laughs> to Brian Clough to uh, yeah. Brian Clough's assistant. Mm. So I think that is a good note on which to end this week's log. Do you not agree? Rada Mitchell starred in <laughs> Phone Booth. My friend Greg Mitchell supports Nottingham Forest. <laughs> Nottingham Forest. Can I famous. do anything else with it? Katie Holmes. Ra- did you say Rada Mitchell? Yeah, do you know who Rada Mitchell is? Nanny dives so much, he should have gone to Rada. What does Rada stand for in the uh, in the acronym? It has no relation to... Well, he's, uh, Katie Holmes stars alongside Colin Farrell in Phone Booth. Peter Holmes played for Sheffield Wednesday in the early 90s. We went to school with a guy called Peter Holmes. We did, actually, yeah. Where does he currently live? <laughs> Katie Holmes is in phone booth. Katie Holmes is married to Tom Cruise. Mm. Speaking of cruising, David Pleat... Oh, hang on a minute. My yeah. lawyer's <laughs> ringing me up. Uh, anyway, ladies and gents, we'll be back next time. We look forward to speaking to you then. Bye-bye. Bokum. <laughs>